We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners only 10% discount to Rotoviz by using the code RVRADIO2022. That's RVRADIO2022. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. Now, without further ado, here's the latest edition of the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in. Thank you for joining us tonight on the Rotoviz High Stakes Lowdown. I am your host, Eric Balkman. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. Uh, you know me from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, the uh, High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network, and of course the FFPC. Follow me at X at Eric Balkman, the FFPC. You can follow on Twitter. <laughs> God, I got X right on the first one. I screwed up on the second one. Uh, follow the FFPC on X, x.com slash FFPC. Uh, we have a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to wrap with one of the best high-stakes fantasy football players I know. But before we get to that, I do want to remind you, if you are looking for action with the FFPC, don't think because the season has started that your hopes are over for trying to play more action with the FFPC. You can actually go to myffpc.com right now, myffpc.com, play the FFPC weekly challenge. There's no draft. There is no salary cap. You just choose 10 or 12 players. If you want to play with kickers and defenses, whatever you want to do, just by Sunday's kickoff and then watch them ride throughout the weekend's games. Remember, only one player per NFL team. You can enter for $200. You can also enter for $35. If you want to play for that, uh, you can win up to $2,500. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, share, and get notified on this video and sign up for the FFPC Weekly Challenge at myffpc.com. Uh, this week, we are speaking with a champion of 11 FFPC high-stakes leagues. He's in the thick of the Fantasy Pros Championship. Quite frankly, not in the thick. He's in the thin because he sits seventh place 
overall in the 2023 Fantasy Pros Championship, a contest for the first time ever that will pay out a $1 million grand prize. Uh, and he's seventh. Only six teams separate him from a million bucks and, quite frankly, a couple months of fantasy football. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, this is a competition that will award $1 million. Will it be tonight's guest? Well, we'll find out at the end of December slash early January. Please welcome back onto the program, Mr. Craig Bodenmiller. Craig, welcome in. Happy Tuesday night to you, dude. Hey, Balky. Good to see you, man. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Good to have you back. Tonight, we're going to debate whether Jerome Ford is going to carry the load for the Cleveland Browns all season, whether Zay Flowers has become a must-start player, what to do with Joshua Kelly in your lineups after last week, and much more. Remember, rotoviz.com is where to go. Subscribe by using the code RVRADIO2023. That's a listeners-only 10% discount. Okay, Craig. Now, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you an Ohio guy? Are you a Browns fan? I am an Ohio guy, but I am not a Browns or a Bengals fan. I'm actually a Cowboys fan. Cowboys, that's right. You told me yes. that before. I forgot about that. Yeah, so, I grew up loving Emmett Smith. So you are surrounded. By the way, did you see the new Emmett Smith uh, commercial where him and Marino decide to make a run of it and come back to the game? That's a great – I can't remember what it's for. Like all great advertising. Every time I see a commercial, man, I love that commercial. Can't remember what they're advertising, but Emmett Smith comes back. It's fantastic. Just get on the Google machine and watch it later if you have not seen it yet. Um, this did not hit you as hard because you're a Cowboys fan. Um, but I mean, as a fantasy football fan, it was tough watching that Chubb injury last night. Um, can you kind of give me the lowdown on, on what you think the split is going to be like in Cleveland uh, now going forward? Uh, it's weird because Kevin Stefanski said today that Jerome Ford is the number one running back. But remember, this is the same team that traded with the New England Patriots to bring in Pierre Strong right before the start of the season. And they met with their old friend Kareem Hunt today. What do we make of this Browns backfield? Look into the Bowden Miller crystal ball. What are we looking at here for the backfield going forward? Well, I'd just like to start by saying I, I don't own a lot of Chubb this year, but he was one of my favorite running backs to watch, so I hated to see that last night. He was mm -hmm. always so fun to watch. Um, but I do believe Stefanski when he says that Ford will be the featured back, but I still believe it's going to be about a 60-40 split uh, between him and Strong, or even if Hunt comes back, I think uh, Ford will still be the featured back. The only way I see that not happening is I saw read a couple um, articles today that might link Cam Akers to the Browns. Mm -hmm. um, I could see him taking the lead role with and then Ford staying where he was before the Chubb injury. We'll get into um like waivers later on, but how would you treat Pierre Strong? Because I know he's a free agent in a lot of FFPC leagues right now. How would you treat Pierre Strong on waivers tomorrow? Are you going heavy into him? Are you going a little bit? Are you ignoring him? What are you doing? I would say I'm just going to go a little bit, mainly because I started to pick him up last week. Uh, I thought he was really talented. I started even picked him up before the season when he was with the Patriots. And then, honestly, I thought he would be the primary backup behind Chubb um, maybe midway through the season. So once the Chubb injury hit, or last, last week before it hit, I started to pick up some strong shares. Um, I, I'm Since they're bringing in Hunt, I don't know that he'll remain the RB2. Uh, so I wouldn't waste a whole lot of – fab money on him but i would still you know dabble just in case they don't because the browns are a team that relies heavily on the run and deshaun watson has not looked good this year what would you do for those leagues i mean uh, like we got a question on in the facebook chat from jim parsons jr and he wants to know should he go in on kareem hunt or should he go in on jerome ford well if jerome ford's still out there you're going to go heavy on ford um but if i was to flip the question and say hunter strong would you still like Pierre Strong, based on the fact that he's already on the Cleveland Browns roster, 
uh, in favor of going after Kareem Hunt? Is that how you'd handle it in waivers this week? Uh, honestly, no, I would probably take Hunt just because mm. of the fact that they're bringing him in um, and he's already familiar with the offense. Um, so I, I think there's going to be mutual interest both ways. And honestly, I don't see Hunt and Fournette staying free agents much longer due to the fact we've had all these running back injuries. I, I wonder, and this is something I brought up with another guy I was talking to today about this. Um, how much does the fact play in that we talked about, like you know this because you've been drafting for forever, but throughout July and August and September, we all kind of were like, I mean, even myself, I'm guilty of this. I mean, I drafted Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette in the back end of some of my drafts because I thought, okay, well, they probably won't sign before the start of the season, but after week one when the contracts are guaranteed, then I could see these – or are not guaranteed, I beg your pardon. Then I could see these guys you know, coming into the fold. They did it after week one. Uh, nobody signed them. And now I'm looking at it from the standpoint of 32 NFL teams are telling us exactly how they feel about Hunt and Fournette. The fact that they've still ignored him this long – and I'm with you. I think these guys are going to sign soon. But now that I've seen how the NFL's treated them, I'm kind of like, is there value in these guys? I, I, I think like kind of, you know, what you alluded to earlier, you got to have a special injury situation because th these are more desperation guys rather than players that the NFL is looking to target as difference makers at this point. Yes, you're exactly right. You have to pay attention to what the NFL teams are telling you. So yeah, I was adding these guys late in drafts all summer. And the fact that I, th I thought they would be added right before training camp. I thought maybe it was their idea that they were just holding out, waiting right before the season started to join a team. Um, but that's not the case. It doesn't just doesn't seem like NFL teams were interested. And it did look like Kareem Hunt had lost a step last year. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I thought Fournette would be would make a team just because he's good in pass protection. He can catch passes. Um, I thought he would be added before Zeke, but um, that wasn't the case. So, yeah, I, I don't know that NFL teams value these guys very much. They may not, and they might, and that, and that's fine. That could be fine because we're all about the opportunity, right? You're always looking for the guy behind the guy, and now that uh, Chubb has gone down and Acres has been deactivated, and other spots too, we're looking for the guy behind the guy behind the guy, basically in in fantasy leagues right now. And and they would qualify Fournette and Hunt. I want to uh, shift our focus. We'll stay in the same division here, Craig, but let's shift our focus to the um, to the uh, Baltimore Ravens, right? So, um, no uh, J.K. Dobbins, obviously. Um, Zay Flowers last week got five targets, which was good for third on the team behind Aguilar and Mark uh, Nelson Aguilar and Mark Andrews. Um, and Odell Beckham got hurt after four targets. He he got three catches for twenty nine yards. Flowers finished with a ten point two in FFPC scoring, four catches, sixty two yards. This is two consecutive weeks for the rookie where he has been startable. How close is he to must – I'm not saying he's must-start, but how close is he to must-start right now when you look at how the Ravens have shifted their offense in not only in the wake of the J.K. Dobbins injury, but as Todd Munkin takes over as offensive coordinator, where he loves to pass much more so than Greg Roman did. Um, I, I think Flowers, it's – man, it's, it's looking more and more like wheels up for him, right? Yes, and Zay Flowers was one of the rookies that I was most ex most excited about to start the season. And honestly, on my seventh place team, I've had to start him the first two weeks. The first week, I was I was a little concerned about it just because he was a rookie, and you know you don't know how much the Ravens are going to pass, how involved he's going to be. But he got ten targets. It, it helped that Andrews was not playing, um, but that showed that Lamar has confidence in him. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then this past week, he still got five targets, um, had a, had a deep catch. He has makes those explosive plays. Um, so, so yeah, I've, I've felt really good the last two weeks about starting him. Um, and even going forward, once Watson comes back, I don't know that I can put Watson in, uh, ahead of Zay. I think you're right. Um, I think that's a, that's a great point that you bring up. I'm looking at the upcoming schedule for the Ravens and they are looking at, um, God, who do they have this week? They're at home against the Indianapolis Colts, seven and a half point favorites in that game, 44 and a half. No word on Gardner Minshew or Anthony Richardson yet. We'll find out more about that uh, going forward, but that should be another good Zay Flowers game. You would think on paper, looks like a really good matchup there. Uh, Shifting back to the running back position, let's talk about your Cowboys here. Um, At the end of drafting season, when I was out in Las Vegas for the FFPC live events, and I'm facilitating these like, you know, 3K, 5K, 10K buy-ins. I keep seeing, and even in the main events out there too, Craig, I keep seeing, and you saw this in drafts, Rico Dowdell was not being drafted. And then he kind of creeped up or crept up a little bit at the end of drafts. Um, still behind Deuce Vaughn. This is a guy that that went up by, I don't want to say leaps and bounds, but whatever the next level below leaps and bounds is, that's what Rico Dowdell was, was doing in drafts. I look at this past week. Now, it's difficult to put a finger on how the Cowboys offense is going to go this year. Cause quite, quite frankly, they've blown out two New York teams to start the season. Obviously what we saw what they did on the giants on Sunday night football. And then they just beat the jets 30 to 10 on Sunday as well. Um, Pollard was obviously awesome, but we look behind that. Um, Dowdle had one catch for 17 yards um, on a target. Deuce Wong caught all three of his targets for 16 yards, but Dowdle had seven carries for 26 yards. Deuce Wong, three carries for 16 yards. I don't know if Deuce Vaughn is available in a whole lot of FFPC leagues, but let's just say he's out there. Let's just say you have one roster spot um, and you could pick up Dowdle, but you'd have to cut Vaughn. How do you fall in on the Dowdle versus Vaughn discussion? Because the way the running backs have been going this year, no offense, and I'm not trying to create waves here to a Cowboys fan, might just be a matter of time before Pollard misses some action too. Who's the uh, running back that you want there, Dowdle or Vaughn? Uh, Vaughn would be the one I, I like. Uh, he just looks more explosive to me. Um, I know Rico is getting a little more playing time in terms of snap count right, counts right now. Uh, and, but Deuce just looks like the better running back to me. Uh, I thought he looked very good preseason. Um, and even the first two NFL or regular season games, I thought he's, he's played well. Um like you mentioned, if, if something were to happen to Pollard, I'm, I'm fairly certain that Jerry wouldn't go the rest of the season with these two guys as his running back. Mm. Um, so I, in terms of, you know, if Pollard was lost for the season, I don't know that any either one would be them featured back. Um, but as the RB2 right now, I would I would lean Vaughn. So knowing that and Craig, I think you make a good point there. And, and I think that if Pollard were to miss time, uh, Leonard Fournette's name might be on speed dial in, in Dallas for sure. But um, but keeping one of those guys on your roster, how much value is – are these guys roster cloggers at this point, given that if Pollard were to miss time, you may not be comfortable starting either one, at, even as a flex uh, going forward, because of the potential of another running back coming in. And I think that's what we're trying to ascertain here is, like, we're trying to figure out the best way to manage our roster. If Pollard gets hurt – do Vaughn, fact, Vaughn or Dowdle factor in enough for them to be rosterable right now? Yeah, I think if Pollard were to miss one or two games, 
it, you're probably looking at a 50-50 split, honestly, where they both get 15 to 20 carries each or 15 to 20 touches. Um, so, so if you needed a one, a, you know, one or two week fill in when Pollard was hurt, I think they would be serviceable. Uh, but if it was long term, I, I definitely think they would bring in somebody like Fournette. Um, it wouldn't even honestly wouldn't even surprise me if Jerry traded for Jonathan Taylor if something were to happen to Pollard. Now nobody's talking about that. That yes. is very interesting, and that'd be such a Cowboys move too yes. for them to do that as well. Um, all right, so I, nobody cares about your fantasy team. I'm going to share a little bit about one of mine right now. It's a dynasty league. My top three running backs coming into the season: Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, and Nick Chubb. Needless to say, I'm not looking great in the running back position right now. <laughs> And I'm like, well, you know, I got a lot of good receivers on this team. I could be okay. Well, I just noticed that one of my receivers is Deontay Johnson, who just got put on IR as well. Running out of IR spots on that team. It is what it is. We'll roll with the punches. The question here is not about my team. It's about the Steelers wide receivers. Now, I have a a local uh, radio show in Northeast Wisconsin, and one of the guys who is in at one of our sister stations, we have him come on every single week. And uh, he is originally from Pittsburgh. He moved here to Northeast Wisconsin last year. And he's a huge Steelers fan. I was talking to him about Kenny Pickett and the passing game and obviously Johnson. And he's like, and I asked him, like, yeah, what what do you think? Because he plays fantasy football as well. I'm like, what do you think, Allen Robinson? Do you think uh, Calvin Austin? Like, who's the guy to own? Because, like, neither one of these guys lit the world on fire last night, obviously, uh, in the Monday night game. And he was kind of the opinion, like, Kenny Pickett has been so underwhelming. I don't think that either one of these guys are are rosterable at this point. And I thought about it. I'm like, you know, you might be right because we only have 20 roster spots that we can utilize in, in high-stakes fantasy football, Craig. And when you look at Deontay Johnson being on IR for the next four weeks or now the next three weeks, are Robinson or Austin, are either one of these guys worth carrying on your roster? not only given the way the offense has been going, but given the quarterback situation there as well. Yeah, I would agree with the other gentlemen. I, I, I wouldn't roster either one. I thought after week one that Allen Robinson, you know, maybe he can have a decent year, but I was burned with him last year. I, I had quite a few shares with him when he was with the Rams. Um, and then last night, you know, him and Calvin Austin both were very underwhelming. And I think that's what you're going to see now that Deontay's out. He's going to heavily target Pickens. Uh, the running backs are going to be involved in the passing game. And, and honestly, I don't see Fryermuth only getting a couple targets again. I think he's going to be the, the one. If there's an uptick on anybody else in targets, I think it would be with Fryermuth. So, yeah, honestly, I think they would just be roster cloggers. There was there was a uh, another league. And again, nobody cares about your fantasy league. I'll share this. Another one of my leagues. I was up by two and a half points, Craig, going into Monday Night Football. I had nobody. He had Pat Fryermuth, uh, not tight end premium. Fryermuth goes for one point two. I win by one point three. So I'm you know thanking the fantasy gods today that somehow I, I eked out a win and that shouldn't happen. What happened to Fryermuth though? Because you would think with no Johnson, this is a guy that that turns it on with with Kenny Pickett. Was it a, a bad defensive matchup? Was it just a one-off? Like, I, I guess the, the thing is here, like, Fryermuth to me should be an automatic start in the FFPC and the Fantasy Pros Championship because of no Deontay Johnson. But last night was a perfect example of why he isn't. Why do you think that is? I'm going to chalk it up to a bad defensive matchup. Um, and Pickett being very underwhelming, I think his first read was Pickens. And if he wasn't thrown to Pickens, he was looking to dump it off to a running back. Um so yeah, I, I think this this next week he'll, you'll see five to eight targets from Fryermuth. 
and and that's good for the leagues I do have Fryermuth in because that was that was scary last night. Um, and even like, and, and I'll bring, I'm a, I should bring up the box score here because I want to delve a little bit deeper into it. That Steelers Bengals game, super entertaining, obviously. But when you look at what the Steelers did uh, passing wise, Pickett threw for 222 yards, but on 15 to 30. And one of those uh, catches was a 70 yard touchdown slant um, to, to George Pickett's. Now you take away that 71 yard touchdown. All of a sudden, Kenny Pickett's looking at 150 yards, and all of a sudden, George Pickens is looking at 50 yards on just three catches. Um, do we need to prepare ourselves for a lower-volume passing game? In other words, with no Deontay Johnson out there, not only do the numbers go down, but they go down for everybody, and that passing pie gets smaller in Pittsburgh. Yes, I think with with Warren and Najee, they're going to rely more on the running game. Um, so, and Especially the way Pickett's looked. I, I don't think they're going to keep putting the ball in his hands. I, I was one of those guys in, in preseason, you know, he looked really good in preseason. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is the year he turns it around and, and Pickens and Deontay and Fryermuth just have massive years. But these first two weeks have been a little disappointing for Pickett. Yeah. And, and it's super frustrating, obviously, but I do think he's, he's coming on. I, I don't think he's a total bust. I still remain hopeful on Pickett having a nice 2023 season for sure. I was going to let, let's stay on the Steelers here and uh, our buddy Dominic Gazzetti is in the YouTube chat right now. And we, uh, let me talk about the Steelers running back situation here. I want to ask you, is Jalen Warren actually flexible this week? Again, the FFPC, you have the dual flex. Is he flexible against the Raiders this week? Harris had 20% target per route, Warren 33%. Is that enough for you to say, you know what? Maybe Warren's the guy. And, and I'll preface this by saying there are a lot of people who are playing in closed 12 team leagues where they were probably encouraged to get both Warren and Harris on their 12 man team rather than, you know, playing in a national contest like the fantasy pro championship, something that you sit seventh place overall in right now. Um, you sometimes eschew the, the backup running back to your studs because you want to increase variance any which way you can. But if you're playing in a closed 12 team league, that might not be the case. It's ballsy, Craig. But if you're in a full PPR, would you be strong enough to start Jalen Warren over Najee Harris against the Raiders this week? Yeah, I think depending on what your other options are, I think I'm glad Dominic actually brought that up um, because I, I know we we just talked about the Steelers wide receivers. But again, I think Fryermuth and the running backs are going to see the higher target share moving forward without Deontay. Um, and, and Warren, to me, this is getting me in trouble because myself and a couple of the guys I co and other teams with have been going back and forth all summer on Najee versus Warren. Mm -hmm. I'm not on the Najee side. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think Warren is going to keep getting more and more involved in the offense, um, especially against the Raiders this week. I think that's a, a smash spot for him. Uh, I was watching the game last night and Nelson Sousa actually made a comment about how Najee looks like a combination of Trent Richardson and Eddie Lacy. Oh. And then once he, once he said that, I, I couldn't unsee it. So the rest <laughs> of the game, that's what I, that's just what I kept seeing. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think Warren is just going to continue to get more and more involved. I wouldn't surprise me this week if he catches, you know, six or seven passes. So I think you could definitely put him in the flex spot this week. You know, the, even when, when Nelson brings that up too, it's like, that obviously that's horrible to, to compare him to those guys, but Richardson, <laughs> think about it. Richardson and Lacey were, they were different types of running backs than Harris. Like they were the big burly 
you know, we'll, we'll get you whatever, you know, you need here on short yardage. Um, like that was part of their repertoire. Najee Harris is, is I don't want to say he's a slight running back, but he's built differently than those yes. guys. And he's a guy that should be more of a three down pass catching athletic running back that 2023 NFL uh, people love to see. And he's not. And that's mm-hmm. a scary thing. It, it just, you got Harris. You, you may not have a, like you said, it depends what your other options are. You may not have a better choice, but man, Jalen Warren is looking better and better as, uh, as people who got him in the mid rounds, you got him in a couple of spots, right? Yeah. I've got him in a few spots. And I know his stats weren't, weren't great last night, but he just looks so much more explosive than not. Well, but keep in mind too. I mean, like he had six targets last night yes. and he four catches for 66 yards. I mean, you'll take that. And this is not like a game where they were like playing catch up. Um, you know, I don't think they were ever down by more than one score. So, like, I, I think there's a lot to like about Warren. I, I, I don't think, you know, on the ground, six carries, 20 yards. Okay, whatever. That's not great. But Harris was 10 for 43. It's not like he's lighting the world on fire there. I think there's a lot to like about Jalen Warren. Let's keep talking about running backs here, Craig. James Cook did not get a touchdown last week. However, in that blowout to get win against the Raiders, both his backfield teammates, Damian Harris and Latavius Murray, did get in the end zone. You don't necessarily care super uh, much because Cook had a really good game. He was very efficient with his carries, well over 100 rushing yards. But at the same time, and I know touchdowns aren't sticky, but at the same time, to see your backfield mates, both of them, score a touchdown where Cook did it, what, what does that do for our thoughts on James Cook going forward? Because to me, after a game like this, he should be okay. Now he's in our good graces. Now I can trust him. I'm going to plug him in every single week. But the fact that he didn't get either one of the backfield rushing touchdowns, I don't know. I mean, it's not a red flag, Craig, for me, but it's at least a yellow flag. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And yeah, that's been one of my concerns with James Kick all year. Again, a couple of those guys I co-owned with Brian Blunty and Ryan Weichel. We've been on the opposite side of this debate as well. I'm, I like James Cook, but I wasn't willing to pay the fifth round price tag when other a lot of other people had nine, ninth, and tenth round shares. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my main concern was uh, in college, two or three of his seasons, he only got fifty carries. I think the most he had in college was hundred carries, so he never really had the volume. And with Damian Harris there, he was never going to get the goal line or the short yardage. So he's going to rely heavily on those uh, receptions. He's gotten a lot more rushes so far this year than I thought he would. Um, but, yeah, losing losing out on those touchdowns and, and getting more volume than I thought he would, I'm not sure he can hold up for 17 games, so I'm interested to see. But, yeah, Damian Harris is the one that I was targeting for most of the year just because I thought he would get more carries um, and, and the goal line yardage. So I, he got more – Damian got more carries and more playing time this second week. So I don't know if they're trying to ease him into the office, but I think we'll see that trend continue. Um, and he'll start to eat into a little more of James Cook's rushing attempts. Uh, but, yeah, James Cook, unless he gets six or seven catches each game, I, I don't know if he can keep that uh, this pace up all year. I think you're right. Um, and and uh, the Bills are going on the road this week, I believe, if I can find it. I thought they were uh, – yeah, at, at the Commanders. The 2-0 and o Commanders. Bills roll in as a six-and-a-half-point favorite into our nation's capital. Um, so I, I, I think you have to play Cook this week. But that's not to say that if, if this touchdown discrepancy continues and you have some other good options – you may want to look at sitting Cook, especially if he's not as efficient as he was this past week as well. Uh, Broward Bravado, our good buddy in the uh, YouTube chat uh, right now, Craig, he has a sort of a lineup setting philosophical question. What are the first factors to look at when you're when you're building your starting lineup? So there's a lot that, that goes into this, obviously. Um, obviously, the talent, yeah. the situation they're in, the, the surrounding supporting cast, the matchup, like um, for me, I guess I look at obviously talent first because I think in the long run, talent wins out. Um, and that's probably the majority of what makes up my uh, lineup decision making. But I will take into effect the matchup. I will, I will take into effect uh, usage. That's another thing, too, is we got to consider usage, especially for running backs. And then like much further down the road, I'll look at weather, but probably not this time of year. That's more of a December conversation. When you're setting your lineups, what are you looking at as, as the first couple of factors to, to, to submit your starters? Yeah. So for my starters, obviously talent's the first thing I look at, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have some guys, your first, second, third round picks, they're going to be must starts. Um, but in terms of, of your guys that are probably going to be filling your flex um, I look at opportunities, you know, how many carries they're going to get, how many touches, if they're a wide receiver, how many targets they're going to get, um, and, and who they're playing, uh, that plays a role in it as well. Um, so th- those are the main things. Usually opportunities is the, is the biggest thing that I look at. Cause you know, I, I want somebody that, you know, who was it last night? Um, oh, Elijah Moore, even though he only had three catches last night, he still got nine targets. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those are the factors that I look at. 
and trust the process over the results. Obviously. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, last week against my beloved Packers, the Atlanta Falcons, no surprise, by the way, ran up 200 plus rushing yards against them. Thanks to the legs of Tyler Algier, Bijan Robinson and Desmond Ritter at all. I mean, there was plenty of others that had a hand in that. And then I look at the New Orleans Saints um, taking on the Falcons this coming week, Craig. Jamal Williams, we, we found out the news today. It's probably going to take – I think it was Dennis Allen that said it's going to take some more time for him to work through that 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 leg injury. So, to me, that probably means he's out this week. I don't know if Kendra Miller is going to give it a go. He was inactive the last couple of weeks, and obviously Kamara is still suspended this week. Tony Jones last night, a modest 12 carries for 34 yards. However, he did lead the team in carries, more than Taysom Hill, more than Jamal Williams. Um, average wasn't there, but he did get into the end zone twice. Um, your thoughts on Tony Jones actually being a sneaky flex play in week three when he takes on Atlanta? He could definitely be a flex play. He's, he's not somebody that I'm going to be excited about. Like I said, he got 12 carries for 34 yards. If it wasn't for those touchdowns, he would have had a very below average game. Mm -hmm. um, and if Kendra Miller's playing this week – you know, depending, it doesn't even matter what percent he's at. I, I wouldn't play um, Jones. Um, and last night, Taysom Hill got nine carries. That's more than he usually gets. So I think you'll see more of Taysom Hill if Kendra Miller is out. Um, and, and honestly, those two touchdowns he got, those could easily have been Taysom Hill. So you really don't know which way the Saints are going to go once they get to the goal line. So you could play him, but I, I would use caution. I, uh, think I am proud of myself, Craig. I, and again, maybe I didn't, I should have trusted the process more. I had Joshua Kelly in so many leagues this year. I drafted him in a bunch of leagues late and I, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I wasn't happy that Austin Eckler gets hurt. I'm never happy when a player gets hurt, but I did look at it as a fortunate situation strictly for fantasy because Joshua Kelly, I could roll out and start. Um, as I was looking at the matchup more, um, I, I realized that Tennessee is probably not the greatest matchup for uh, for opposing running backs. So I think I had Kelly in like eight or nine leagues. I think I started him in like four or five, but I did bench him in four other leagues. And I didn't think I'd be able to do that, but with not a lot of injury concerns for me right now and nobody on by, obviously, across the NFL, it made it a little bit more palatable. The question for me is, or uh, from me, for you, is looking ahead, assuming that Eckler misses this week, and the report that we got from Brandon Staley wasn't exactly positive that Eckler is going to be out um, again this week. But you look at Joshua Kelly, who is going to be at the Minnesota Vikings this week. Is he actually more of a palatable start for you this week uh, than he was in Tennessee? What do you do with Joshua Kelly now going forward with Eckler out? Yeah, last week for Kelly, I was I was pretty disappointed in in his statistics. But you and me I both. Did. This week, I think, is another smash spot for him. Surprisingly, week one against the Dolphins, I think he had 16 carries, 90-plus yards. Um, I think we're going to see more of that this week. You know, the Vikings are coming off just giving up a huge game to DeAndre Swift, um, who it seems like every coaching staff, staff hates. Um, so I think this weekend is going to be another smash spot for Josh Kelly, and I think he'll make up for this past weekend. I think, well, I don't, I don't know if you're right, but I hope you're right for sure because because that will pay off for me and Spades if I can get Kelly going again, especially if Aaron Jones misses again this week, which you heard it here maybe first. I don't know. 
I don't think Aaron Jones is going to go again this week. I, I just reading the reports lately from the beat writers and people talking up here. It, it seems like he's going to be held out for the home opener against the saints as well. So again, don't take that as gospel. I'm just saying we got waivers processing in high stakes fantasy football tomorrow. So make sure that you are making uh, uh, disaster recovery plans as fantasy mojos, Darren Armani would say uh, that you have, you are covered. Uh, if uh, if you own Aaron Jones in any of your leagues this year, um, waiver I just said waiver wire gets processed tomorrow night, Craig, um, at uh, ten o'clock Eastern for FFPC leagues. I, I you may not be willing to share who you're going heavy on this week. I respect that you might want to keep this close to the vest. Whatever you want to share here, your big targets on the waiver wire. Um, maybe I should ask you it this way. Who do you think FFPC players should be going after on the waiver wire ahead of week three, man? I would say my top two targets, um, it's surprisingly neither one is a, is a running back. Um, and I'm not going to spend a lot of fab on them, uh, but my number one is Jalen Hyatt. Um, I, I was impressed. I've been impressed with him so far this year. I know he's had limited snaps, but he's, he's very explosive. Um, and I think as he starts to get more snaps and you saw it in the second half last week, I know the Giants were down, but if they would just let Danny Dimes open the offense up a little bit, um, I, I think the Giants offense will be a lot funner to watch. And I think Jalen High outside of Waller would be the number one beneficiary there. Um, and then the other guys, another rookie wide receiver in Tank Dell. Um, he seems to have a good connection with Stroud. Uh, Nico is going to be the number one, but you know, they're going to be down a lot. They're going to be playing from behind. So I, I think tank is going to have a lot of weeks like he just had, um, a couple other guys, Zach Ertz and, and FFPC, you know, yes. guy I didn't draft any of just because coming back from injury being in his thirties, I just assumed that, you know, he wasn't going to get much And McBride, I thought would be a much bigger part of the offense. Um, uh, but I think he has 18 targets in the first two games. Um, so at tight end, if, if you need somebody, Zach Ertz is, is somebody I would target. And then I know we discussed earlier, Hunt and Fournette, I would pick up, for, you know, for cheap just to see if anybody adds them this week or next mm -hmm. week. Okay. So what do you make? Let's talk about this McBride versus Ertz thing, because I'm with you. Like I, I drafted McBride super late. I don't play in any tight end premium formats, which bulky, why are you doing the show? If you don't do that? Well, I can't play in the FFPC. There's not much I can do. Um, so, so with McBride, I actually added him in like the 19th. Uh, not 19th, like 18th, 19th round um, in a lot of drafts this year. Dude has gotten five targets so far this season, if I'm counting this right. Um, and Zach Ertz, like you said, 18 targets. Like I And, and it's not Kyler Murray. Obviously, it's Joshua Dobbs, and, and maybe there's something to be said for that. But, I mean, are we smart to just drop McBride at this point and then go in on you know 10%, 15 20% of our fab if you're playing in the FFPC? Uh, on Zach Ertz, is, is is that a smart idea for you right now? I think it depends on your team situation. I, I think if you're if you're strong at tight end, McBride would be somebody I would pick up for later in the season, just because the the, the Cardinals they're not good. You know they're going to have to see what they have in their young players. So them continuing to put Ertz out there over McBride and feature him, I, I don't think is a wise long term plan. Uh, so I think at some point down the road, you know you will see more of McBride. But for right now, if you're if you're light at tight end, I would definitely pick up Ertz because Dobbs seems to like that safety blanket, and he's you know he's targeting the tight end quite a bit. Broward, uh, excuse me, Dominic Gazzetti uh, loves your Tank Dell uh, knowledge too, and I think that's another guy that I'll be looking at uh, on the waiver wire for sure. I'll tell you who burned me this past week, and and um, 
and and I want to get your thoughts on it. And I, I don't know if it's a long-term thing. It might be, and I might have just lost out on this, but I bid way too much on Kendrick Bourne. I have Kendrick Bourne in so many leagues. Like after week one, I just looked at it from the standpoint, new offensive coordinator. He heavily targeted or heavily featured Bourne in the offense. Mac Jones heavily targeted him despite Bradbury and, and really talented corners being on him. Bourne not only got in the end zone multiple times, he had 11 targets. And I was just like, okay, this is all sticky stuff. I'm going to go heavy on him. And then what happened this past week? Uh, at, what did uh, Pete uh, Campbell say in, uh, in Mad Men? Not great, Bob. It was not great for Kendrick Bourne. Now, it wasn't terrible uh, for him. And I'll say that because he did come on towards the end of the game, towards the end of that Patriots game. Um, I'm bringing up the stats right now because I think it's worthwhile talking about. Uh, Bourne did see nine targets, which was the most on the team, by the way, not by much. Devontae Parker, six for 57. He saw eight targets, six for 52 for Hunter Henry. He saw seven. Mike Jasicki, five catches for 33 yards on his six targets. Juju Smith-Schuster, five for 28 on his six. Kendrick Bourne, just four for 29. You're probably, I mean, obviously I'm going to wait it out because I invested so much fab capital in him. But Kendrick Bourne are better days ahead after. I mean, is he closer to the week one performance than the week two? Honestly, I wish I could tell you he's closer to week one, but I think those Patriots pass catchers, it's going to be a nightmare. They're just um, going to spread it around, basically? Yes. Yeah, one week it's going to be Devontae Parker going off, and next week it's going to be Bourne. Hunter Henry's going to have some big, big games. Honestly, it wouldn't the, surprise me if Gusecki has big games. And the problem with that, Craig, is you won't know which one to start because you don't know who's going to have the big game, right? Exactly. They would be best for, if, you, if you were playing best ball. Uh, it would be, right. be a lineup nightmare. Um, and speaking of lineup nightmares, maybe this isn't a, a nightmare, but Broward Bravado wants to know, uh, who do you think is going to win out in, in the Kansas City wide receiver competition? So we we saw the, the Chiefs struggle two weeks in a row now, quite frankly, um, the offense did. Um, did we get some clarity in the, uh, in the Chiefs wide receiver core this past week? Well, we did see uh, Sky Moore get in the end zone, but he only had four targets. Uh, Kelsey had nine. He obviously dominated five apiece for Justin Watson and Kadarius Tony, and then a bunch of people with three, two, or one. So Sky Moore was fourth on the team in targets. Number one, who do you think is going to win out? Number two, and I'll add this is my part of the question, Craig. Does it matter given how frenetic and inconsistent the targets could be for the Kansas City wide receivers this year? Honestly, I, th I think Tony, if Tony stays healthy, he will be the number one behind Kelsey. I think Kelsey only played maybe 26 or 30 snaps this week, and he still he still got nine targets. So he's going to probably get 12 to 15 targets a game. Um, I think Tony will be serviceable on, during bye weeks. Uh, but like the Patriots offense, I think it's going to be a nightmare trying to figure out which one to start. Um, Sky Moore, Rasheed Rice, you know, they're going to have spike weeks as well. But, mm -hmm. you, you know, are you going to are you going to put them in your in your lineup with confidence? I don't know that I could. Tony, you know, maybe here in a couple of weeks, if he stays healthy, I, I could put him in my lineup. But those other guys, I, I just I wouldn't start them with confidence. Craig, go back to that question I asked you. Your big targets in the waiver area this week. I know we talked about a bunch of them. There was another player um, that you brought up. It might have been Tank Dell. Who was the first guy that you mentioned? Um, uh, uh, Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt. Okay. All right. So let's let's talk. So I I, I think you explained the Hyatt situation pretty good. Tank Dell. Um, is interesting because Nico Collins obviously dominated um, the, the 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 game in Houston as far as the passing goes, um, but Tank Dell was the guy who actually ended up getting into the end zone. Well, I guess Collins scored a touchdown as well, 
Um, Tank Dell, seven for 72. Is this like a, a Wes Welker guy in, in the making kind of, do you see? Or is that, am I being too hyperbolic on this and, and say, well, Bulky, slow your roll. He's not going to be that good. But seven for 72 on a team that's going to throw a lot, I get excited about that. Yes, I'm pretty excited about it as well. Honestly, I could see him. Obviously, he's not going to get the targets that that Puka is getting, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think he could be serviceable week in, week out. Um, I think Robert Woods. I think he still had a pretty good game, but I think as the season goes on, you'll start to see Tank Dale establishes himself as the clear number two wide receiver behind Nico. Um, so yeah, I was I had I thought Tank would have a good season. I just didn't think we'd see it until about halfway through the year. Right. Uh, you mentioned Nakua. Where do you stand on him? I mean, is this a guy that that is should be started going forward? Is he going to keep this up? Um, and let's let's not worry about Cooper Cup yet because pretty much whatever you're getting from Nakua right now is a bonus. It's gravy, right? Um, do you see him continuing this uh, for the third week in a row? Where I mean, he's he's setting rookie records for how many receptions he's getting in the first two weeks. Uh, three weeks in a row would be monumental. The Los Angeles Rams taking on the Cincinnati Bengals in the second Monday night football game this upcoming week in week three, where do you stand on Puka Nakua? Honestly, before the season, I, I, I wasn't a big Puka fan, but I mean, now I'm all in. Um, if you have him, you have to start him. You know, Stafford does amazing things with, with wide receivers as long as he's healthy. You know, he, mm-hmm. Kenny Galladay had a great season, obviously Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup, but yeah, as long as he's slinging the ball around, I think Puka is going to have a great season. Even when Cup comes back, um, I think two twos, his targets will go down, but I think Puka and uh, Cup, I'm, they'll be the beneficiaries. So I, I think he's going to have a monster season. He's, I mean, like, yeah, and that's the thing. It's like, and I, Derek Brown, I had on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show um, prior to the draft, or maybe it was right after the NFL draft. And that guy just, I never brought up Puka Nakua, and he found a way to bring up Nakua all the time in the, in that interview that I was doing with him. And I'm like, okay, I got to start paying attention to this guy. So I do have him in several dynasties. I picked him up in several leagues as well. 15 for a buck 47. That's the kind of stuff that just simply doesn't go away once Cooper cup comes back. And I think you're, I mean, like, it's just, it's so wild to think about like um, week two against the San Francisco 49ers, the lowly Rams, Puka Nakua, 15 catches. Tutu Atwell, seven catches. Kyron Williams, six catches. Nobody in their right mind would have ever seen that coming in week two, which is why we love this game. It's also why it's so maddening. But it's it's just crazy. So I think when Cup comes back, and to, to your point, I think Atwell's the guy that probably takes a back seat as far as targets go. Nakua's not going anywhere. No, no. And I think the Rams are going to be a dangerous team this year once Cup comes back. They, they've looked a lot better than I expected. Final question for you, and and this is important. Week three coming up. Nobody, I don't think a lot of people have gone hardcore in the lineup setting mode yet, Craig. Um, but if they have, or if they're about to, who's one sleeper that you think not a lot of FFPC players are going to start this week that you think they probably should? And then conversely, a player that's going to get started in a lot of leagues this week that you think is going to let a lot of owners down? Well, since I can't give you my highest owned player, since he's no longer a sleeper, Kyron Williams, um, I'll give you Josh Reynolds. He's another guy that you can probably pick up on on waivers, but uh, he's had a great first two games, um, and I think he's going to continue that until Jamison Williams comes back. So, yeah, Jamison or uh, Josh Reynolds is somebody I think you can start with confidence right now. As much as 
you know, the Lions are, are slinging the ball around, especially with Montgomery injured. Uh, I think they'll continue to, to pass the ball quite a bit. Nine catches for 146 yards and two touchdowns. I said before the season, and maybe this is uh, wrong at this point, but I didn't trust the Vikings defense, Craig. I didn't trust the Lions defense. I think two weeks is too early for me to, to back off of those points. I, I still think in the long run they're not going to be good, which is going to be great yeah. for the fantasy prospects, for the offensive players. And I think Reynolds is a guy that that you have to seriously look at, especially if he's out there right now. I don't know what his ownership is in the FFPC. But, yeah, definitely a guy that you want to look at until Jamison Williams comes back. And maybe, and I don't know if you can, you, you can arrange this, but if you can keep him on your team through the bye week gauntlet, if Amon Ross St. Brown were to go down, if Jamison Williams were to have an injury, all of a sudden Reynolds could be a plug-and-play flex there as well. So good call on Reynolds. Who's a guy that you're looking to sit this week in your leagues? Well, he's a must-start guy, and I don't think you can sit him, but uh, Jamar Chase has given me a lot of concern right now. Um, you know, he's he's I think he's got five receptions with around 30 yards in, in both, both games. Um the Bengals offense just looks off, kind of kind of like the Steelers. Um, I, I, you can't sit him just because he could have that T. Higgins type game that he just had. Um, but yeah, I mean, with a with a top three pick, that's not not the start that you want. That's enough to sink teams right there. So, yeah, Jamar Chase, Chase is a must start guy. But yeah, he's somebody that is giving me a lot of concern right now. It's weird because he's seen seventeen targets on the season, and he's caught ten of them. So you're like, okay, well, I'll take that. But 70 yards. I mean, seven yards a catch hasn't gotten in the end zone yet. Just one carry for two yards. Obviously, T. Higgins had the big week last week. I, I think that the thing – I think you're right. I mean, like you can't really sit him. You're going to have to have a really dominant team in order to, sit, to uh, sit Jamar Chase. But you sit him this week. This is when dreams are made, when you know Chase comes alive. Under lights of Monday Night Football against the lowly Los Angeles Rams, a game uh, that the Rams are two-and-a-half-point favorites in. Um, anybody watching, you are a stronger person than I to sit Jamar Chase. I couldn't do it. Um, but I'm definitely lowering expectations. No question. Yes. Yep, on, exactly. On Until Burrow gets right. Once he gets right, once he develops the chemistry, I think it'll be wheels up and, and everything's going to be okay again. When that's going to happen, week three, week four, week 10, I mean, I don't know at this point. We'll see what happens. In fact, there's talk that Burrow might not even play this week. That's something we'll be following throughout the week on all our FFPC family of shows, the Road of His High Stakes Slowdown, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, and the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Joined tonight on the Road of His High Stakes Slowdown by the seventh place team owner in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Craig, I know it's early, but this has to feel really good to have a team this high up already in in uh, in early, and I beg your pardon, in mid-September. It, it does feel good. Yeah, I, I took a picture and sent it to one of my buddies, and I said, I got to send this to you and show you now because it may not, I may not stay up here. But, yeah, hopefully I'm here again in, in a couple of months talking to you after we, we take this thing down. That Listen, if, if you'll come on, we'd love to have you. Good luck on winning that $1 million grand prize, and thank you so much for being this week's guest on the Road of His High Stakes Slowdown, Craig. Be good. Good luck in week three. May the ball bounce your way, and good luck cashing that seven-figure grand prize. Thanks a lot, Balky. Always a lot of fun. You know, looking forward to talking to you here in a couple months. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Thank you, Craig. Be good. Craig Bowden-Miller, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the seventh-place team owner in the Fantasy Pros Championship. Joining me on the Road of His High Stakes Lowdown tonight. Woo! We got through a lot. A lot of good stuff tonight. Um, I, I think that um, 
we we got through a lot of good waiver knowledge for those of you submitting waivers tomorrow and some good start sit stuff um, perhaps tiebreakers when you start making your lineup submissions uh, coming up on Thursday Saturday Sunday and perhaps Monday as well so uh, thank you so much for for hopping aboard tonight ladies and gentlemen on the latest edition of the road of his high stakes lowdown or uh, for listening on uh, on the road of his uh, podcast feed however you get podcasts as well we will resume uh, this show again next Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Show live at 7 p.m. Eastern time this Thursday night on the Better Sports Network. Just confirmed my guest. It will be Fantasy Alarms Howard Bender and I crushing it uh, for two hours on Fantasy Football Night in America. It is the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, the perfect pregame for your Thursday night football action. That's coming up. Uh, I believe we have – who do we have this week? Is it the – the Niners, I want to say. Yeah, Giants and Niners. Um, and Saquon Barkley is allegedly going to play. I don't see that happening, but there's a non-zero chance of anything. <clears throat> Excuse me. So that will be your pregame, 7 o'clock to 9 p.m. on the Better Sports Network, bettersports.com, betternetwork.com, all the Better Sports Network and FFPC uh, social channels as well. High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour live at 10 p.m. this Friday night uh, with KFFSC Commissioner Farrell Elliott and myself. Go to myffpc.com, M-Y-F-F pc.com to play the ffpc weekly challenge right now uh no draft no salary cap just choose 10 players or 12 players by sunday's kickoff and then just watch them ride throughout the weekend uh remember only one player per nfl team uh 35 or 200 to enter you can win up to 2500 uh, playing that competition as well final thing i'll say remember to like subscribe comment share and get notified anytime the ffpc youtube channel goes live as we'll have a ton of live shows uh, throughout the NFL season for you as well to help you submit those waivers, start those lineups, and maybe win a pair of million-dollar grand prizes. Uh, thanks so much for watching. I have been Eric Balkman. Thanks to Craig Bowden-Miller for join, uh, jumping on board uh, with me tonight. We'll see you next Tuesday uh, for this show. We will see you on Thursday night at 7 p.m. for the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show on the Better Sports Network. Be good, everybody. We'll talk with you again soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.